Hey, it's me. I hope you've been well. This week marks my 10th episode. If you stuck around this long, then thank you. Honestly, I'll be surprised if anyone makes it this far. I thought something that might be fun to talk about would be my personal favorite K-dramas and why I love them. If you've never seen any K-dramas before, I hope you can find one that you might like in my list. And remember that subtitles are just a tiny one-inch barrier, and if you can make it past those, your world will open up immensely. And this is actually going to be two parts, I'm pretty sure, because while I was writing out all of the shows that I like and then my descriptions and like reasons I liked them, I realized it is a very, very long list, and I don't think you guys want to sit here and listen to me talk about K-dramas for more than 40 minutes at a time. So I'm going to split this into two parts. This week, I'm going to talk about um, some of the more supernatural-leaning ones that I've seen and all of the rom-coms that I've watched that I really liked, which honestly, like this list could have been... There are dramas that I left out because this list would have been 10 pages long. It's eight right now, <laughs> including descriptions and stuff, not just like the titles of them, but... I didn't want to do that to you. <laughs> I didn't want to make you sit through all of that. So I try to pick the ones that I really liked and I try to give a bit of a variety if I could. Um, but yeah, so this week will be rom-coms mostly um, and some of the more supernatural leaning ones. And then next week will be um, more of the variety ones. I think I have a couple historical K-dramas on there and then my top two so if you just want to hear what my top two are, then that's not this episode. You need to go to the other one, the, the second part to this. But um, yeah, so I guess I will just get into it, right? Actually, before I get started with that, I just want to explain the way I'm going to do it is I will give you like a description of the show, like sort of the plot um, without trying to go into too much detail because I don't want to spoil anything. And then I will explain why I liked it. So let me get started. The first drama that I will be talking about is called Mystic Pop-Up Bar. A young man, Kong Bei, is plagued with a curse. So whenever he makes any physical contact with any person, that person will immediately spill all of their worries and concerns and their true feelings to him. Sort of like a walking truth serum. He runs into Wolju, a woman carrying out her punishment from hell, settling the grudges of 100,000 humans by stepping into and controlling their dreams. Um, they decide to make a deal. Kong Bei will help her find customers with real grudges by using his curse, and Wolju will rid him of his curse once she's fulfilled her um, quota. The acting in this was incredible. I find that almost every single K-drama I've ever watched has amazing actors, like, just in general. But um, this one, they just, I don't know, they knocked it out of the park. It was really funny, and it really balances out the serious moments, like, really well. And I love when we get to learn about the lives of the side characters in the show. And because you're exploring the grudges of so many people throughout the whole show, you learn about the lives of so many different people from different backgrounds and going through different things and we also get glimpses of um Wolchu and her past and how she ended up in the position she's in having to fulfill these grudges um as her punishment from the the heavens and hell and it's really nice to be able to like actually see her past 
instead of having her character or another character just speak about it because that helps I feel it helps the viewer feel more empathy for her um, they actually do like sort of flashbacks to the important moments that explain her story and the position she ended up in which was like really interesting to see this is also the kind of show where you will laugh during every episode and you might also cry which is my favorite kind of show personally <laughs> I also love the relationships that grow between the characters. Like, although the circumstances are unbelievable, the way that the characters relate to each other is extremely relatable and realistic. And I love watching their little family really grow and become a real family by the end of the series. There are a couple of twists thrown in, and while I was a little annoyed at being kept in the dark on some of the secrets, the payoff is totally worth it. Also, a little random, but I loved the usage of mirrors on the show, not just for like metaphorical reasons, but also just for practical reasons. I find that if a show uses mirrors, it's usually just because they think it looks pretty. But in this show, it not only helps tell the story, but it also makes it easier to do practical effects in terms of the characters who are spirits or like not of the human world, which was like really cool to see. And the final episode was just so satisfying. They trick you a little bit, but the ending is just perfection. Each character just ends up where they were meant to, and like, although I wish I could have seen more of the characters together, the way that they ended up, it makes sense for the story, and it's fulfilling. I find sometimes, not just K-dramas, but shows in general will either take an easy way out and just make it a really happy ending, and like, yeah, it's nice because like you want the characters to be happy at the end most of the time, but it doesn't always feel satisfying or they won't give you the happy ending. They give you the only realistic ending and it's unhappy and everyone is sad and upset and nobody feels fulfilled by the end of it because they're like, well, I wanted them to be a little happy. I didn't want everyone to be dead, um, but this show does a really good balance of realistic with happy and it was just, it was just great to see. The next show that I would like to talk about is called Korean Odyssey. Um, a young woman has been plagued with the ability to see demons and ghosts ever since she was young. When she's young, she strikes a deal with a fairy who promises to keep her safe from these scary creatures whenever she calls his name in exchange for her help in releasing him from a building he was imprisoned in for wrongdoings. But after she releases him, he steals the memory of his name from her mind so she is never able to call him for help. Many years pass and Somi, the young girl, has never forgotten about the evil fairy's promise. Meanwhile, the evil fairy has been taking out demons for the heavens in order to make up for his prison break and finally be truly free. But he's getting tired of it. When he finds out if he eats the flesh of Samjang, the human with the blood of a powerful monk, he will become powerful enough that he doesn't need the help of the heavens to get what he wants. So he decides he should take the easy way out. Unfortunately for him, Sam Jung and the little girl he tricked years before are one and the same. Will he be able to free himself? Will Somi be able to protect herself? Or will they work together for an entirely different cause? I love this show because it's so funny and so dramatic. It hovers on both ends of the spectrum, like the extreme ends, but it still feels balanced somehow. The actors are incredible and the two leads have just such amazing chemistry. 
And the story itself is also just very interesting. It's not something that I've ever seen or like, like, I don't feel like it's a story I've seen played out in another show before, which happens with a lot of shows. It doesn't matter where, what country they're from. Um, and there are side characters that get introduced that you will fall in love with. And then you're going to be betrayed by them later on. <laughs> it's, oh, it's heartbreaking, but it's so good. The twists thrown in, they make complete sense, but they also blindside you somehow. And it's just a really well-crafted story with great acting. The only thing, the only bone I have to pick with this is I didn't like the ending. It It's so heartbreaking. Like, the second to last episode is just it's soul-crushing, honestly. And then in the final episode, when they like fix things, it doesn't end up the way you think it will. They, it, it seemed like it was going in one direction and you're like, yeah, okay, I've come to terms with this. And then they're like, just kidding. Actually, it's this. And then it just ends. I don't know if there were supposed to be a second season or what happened, but it just didn't feel fully satisfying. However, the ending not being satisfying is not to an extent where, like, I regretted watching the show. So I definitely think that you shouldn't let that deter you from watching it because the story itself is just so interesting. Like, it's worth your time, I promise. I had two other sort of, like, supernatural-leaning shows on my list that I ended up taking off because the list was getting too long. But I do want to briefly mention them. Um... The first one is called Oh My Ghost or Oh My Ghostess, depending on how you're searching for it and where. And the other one is called Bring It On Ghost, and they're both um, about people who can see ghosts. That's kind of what it is. They're both rom-coms. They're both really, really funny. The actors are great. Um, they're good stories. I I just didn't put them on the list because the list was getting so long. But if you're into like ghosty things um, and you like rom-coms then feel free to check those out there's some action in uh bring it on ghost also just because of the the nature of the show but yeah they're both great so check them out if you're into that kind of a thing so now i will be moving on into the rom-com territory which there are a lot of different sub-genres of these rom-coms i guess you could say um, but yeah, this, this section is pretty long. There are a lot of K-dramas that are rom-coms that are out there, and I also just personally, rom-com is like my favorite genre, so it's just what I ended up watching the most of, but I'm sure there is at least one on this list that you will like, so here we go. First up, we have When the Camellia Blooms. If you like rom-coms, if you like really funny shows, if you like true crime shows, if you like any or all of those things, this show is for you. This show, this show is a masterpiece. It was the first Netflix show that I watched like as it aired. You know, Netflix does that thing with some of the shows where they release them like two a week or three a week or, you know, something like that. Um... And I was so sad and frustrated every time I had to wait another week for a new episode to come out. Like, I think they did two a week and we would wait until there were two for that week out. And even with the amount of content that we had each week, we would get to the end of the like last episode for that week and be like, that's it. That's that's it. That's all they're giving us this week. 
like it was just it was so good and I'm, I'm not spoiling anything, I promise. So everything I'm going to describe right now is what happens in the first like five minutes of the show. The show opens with a ton of policemen at a riverbank and a body is being walked out and it's covered on a stretcher. And we see a hand fall from the stretcher. It's still attached to the body. Don't worry, it didn't fall off. But it falls out like from under the covers and we see this really pretty bracelet. And it's got flowers on it. Then we cut to the wrist of this young woman in the middle of this empty building and on her wrist is the same bracelet this woman is a single mom who moves to a small town and opens up a new bar years later like it cuts to years later after after we see the dead body after we're now introduced because the dead body was clearly like this is what's going on now we went to the past we see the lady with the bracelet. Then it cuts again to like, I think six years in the future is what it is. Um, and her bar is doing really, really well. It's the only place in town that the men in the town feel comfortable drinking at because all of the other establishments in the town have some sort of connection to their wives and daughters and mothers. So they can't really gossip with their guy friends. Because word will get back to their wife or their daughter or their mother somehow. So they don't want their business aired out everywhere. So they go to her place. Um, meanwhile, a young man with an extreme, extreme sense of justice is forced to move back to his small hometown after he's caught punching a murderer in front of the media while in his cop uniform. He happens to run into the beautiful woman at the town library and falls in love immediately. And while all of this is happening, we see that someone is following this woman. We see them peeking around corners and just watching, waiting for something. We find out that this town was plagued by a serial killer in the past who was never caught. Does he have something to do with this? The first episode ends with a cut back to what we now know is actually the present, and we see the young policeman collapsing in shock or agony after seeing whose body was on the stretcher. This show, this show really has it all. It's got the murder mystery and the action of a police drama, but it's got the love of a romance drama and the comedy. It is so so funny and I think that's probably due in part to the actor who plays the lead dude he's just he's hilarious his facial expressions his timing like it's just on point honestly it never gets boring or feels slow because we're watching so much unfold all at the same time the love story the murder mystery we're learning about the past of the woman the lead woman and the cast is just great like you really feel the good and the bad of what it's like to grow up in a small community where everyone knows everyone and they explore the meaning behind what it means to be a mother so watching this with my mom felt really special it's such a good show and they explore so many themes and they combine so many plots but nothing ever gets like tangled up or confusing to follow and it all like ties together in the end and I love when shows flash between the present and the past. I think that it's really interesting and it's a nice way to lead viewers to a conclusion. The ending, the ending was really satisfying because there were a lot of players in this show. There were a lot of characters with a lot of things going on 
and a lot of ties to each other and then a lot of loose ends like it was just a lot if you can tell from the way I'm describing it in the best way possible and they really do tie up every single loose end as this show comes to a conclusion I really loved the ending it was really satisfying I was really happy with it so if you are into any or all of those things I would highly recommend checking it out it's it's great it's truly great I know I say this about every single drama I've talked about on this list, and I will probably keep saying it, but I love this drama so much. So this one is called My Secret Romance. I know, it sounds very cliche, but I love it. Okay, this drama is so interesting because it starts out with the steamy stuff instead of having you wait until the show is almost done, which is really not common for most K-dramas, at least that I've seen. That might be changing now with changing times. But anyway, so it's about the daughter of an adult film star who has a chance encounter with the son of a CEO when she attends her mother's second wedding, which takes place at the hotel that he's been sent to work at as punishment for his recent partying behavior. After spending a day together and seemingly falling in love, they have a one-night stand. Something the girl had sworn she would never do. Embarrassed, she leaves in a hurry the next morning, leaving the young man feeling embarrassed himself. A few years pass, and the young man has built his own successful business, while the woman, Yumi, has finished her nutritional planner training. Little does she know, she's assigned to his company as the new dietitian for the cafeteria. They run into each other when she is called upon to make him boxed meals after he fainted during a meeting due to lack of eating. When she drops off the first meal herself, they realize they've found each other once again. Do they acknowledge what happened and move on? Yumi wants to pretend it never happened, while the man, Jinwook, wants her to admit what happened. Chaos and romance and hilarity ensue. I love this drama because it explores such a unique situation that I've never seen before in a K-drama, and I also think it's cool that they explore the stigma that can come with sex work and being the child of a sex worker. It's just a really funny show, and you really understand where all of the characters are coming from. I didn't even fully hate the girl who's like framed as a villain in the story. I mostly just felt sad for her. And I really loved the ending. It was satisfying, but not unrealistic. And the characters, like the little plot twists along the way are really, really nice. This is definitely not a heavier, I really have to pay attention, like really, really pay attention to everything going on. Like some of the other dramas in the show, like Korean Odyssey, you need to pay attention. This one is more of a lighter drama that, like, I can throw on at any point in the story now that I've seen the whole thing and, like, pick it back up. It's just, it's a nice, like, comfort show to watch if I just want to have, like, a good laugh. The last few episodes get a little more sad because they get more into uh, the lead woman's feelings and her past and how that affected her, but overall, it's just, like, a light, funny rom-com. And I think that most people can enjoy something like that. Next up, we have Run On. This story follows the lives of four young adults, a young woman who works as a translator and does subtitles for foreign films, a privileged young man with famous parents, a famous sister, and who is a semi-famous athlete, a young man in college studying to be an artist, and a strong-willed, business-savvy young woman running an agency for athletes. The translator and the athlete meet by chance twice, after he helps her in some not-so-fun situations. And when the translator, Miju, meets with the CEO of the agency, Dana, she runs into the athlete, Songyum, yet again. For the third time, they've met each other. 
Miju finds out that she will be acting as the translator for some interviews Songyeom will be doing. From there, the story progresses and we see their relationships grow and their careers grow and change. And it's just kind of about these four young adults and what goes on in their lives. First off, the intro credits of this show are perfect. They introduce the characters through parallel moments and show the differences between them by comparing the situations side by side so that you get to know the characters right off the bat. Like, you'll see um, a clip of the guy, the athlete, tying his shoes, getting ready to go for a run, and then you see Omiju, the translator, running to work. You know, that kind of a thing. And it was really, really cool to see that, like, visually. I loved that we got to explore the life of a woman in film, especially in a role I've never seen explored in any show or film before. And the athlete side shows off the harm that the hierarchy between the athletes can cause. You actually see some of that conflict in the very first episode. And the way each character is introduced to the viewer gives the audience a very clear picture of who they are at their core. It also clearly establishes the A and B couple and who we will be following as the story progresses. And it also explores the harm that money can cause both to those with the money and without. And it explores those dynamics in a way that I haven't seen done very often in K-dramas. Um, because money and being the children of like a rich family is a very common occurrence in a lot of these K-dramas. But it doesn't get explored too often the harm that comes with that. So I thought that that was really interesting. I really loved the character of the main guy, Songyeom. His character is very gentle, but also direct, and he's very unique because of his life experiences. So he was interesting to watch and to see grow into his own person, like as the show went on. I also really liked the dynamic between the two women. They clash, but it's not over something like a love interest, which is typical for other K-dramas, and it's not something I have a problem with love a good love triangle, like I have no problem with that. But it was interesting to see this new dynamic explored where they were clashing over differences in status and how they view the world and what's important to them. So it was interesting just because it was something new. I also really liked watching how they helped each other grow as the show went on, but they didn't immediately become best friends in a way that would have felt unrealistic. It wasn't like, oh, just kidding, we're best friends now and I'm going to help you at all times. It was a very awkward, slow, sort of uncomfortable process, which is like what it would actually have been like in real life, I feel. There's drama and comedy, and a lot of the comedy comes from awkward moments, but that's really fun to watch. It just felt really new and like fresh in comparison to some of the other dramas I've watched before, so it was really exciting to keep up with each week. Okay, so you know earlier I said how, um, I had a drama that I felt was a really good comfort show to watch. That's like comfort when you just want to like feel good and like laugh. There are also dramas, at least that I have found, that are comfort dramas in that it, it's comforting, but it's also like if you want to cry, this is the one you watch. I, I love this drama so much. I've rewatched it at least three times at this point. It's so funny and you're going to fall in love with the main actress, Go Ara. She is just, she is the best. She's so good. Uh, the drama is called, let me give you the name before I keep going any further. It's called Dodo So So La La Soul. The story follows um, a young woman 
Rara, after a series of unfortunate events, leaves her an orphan and with no money. She's older. She's not like a young kid. She's like in her her mid-twenties. But she's not used to having zero funds, having grown up the only daughter of a CEO of a major company. The one light in her life, aside from her precious dog Mimi, who is one of the cutest dogs I've ever seen in my entire life, is this mysterious person who's been commenting, encouraging things on her Instagram posts, and offering to help her, which normally would raise red flags for most of us. But she decides to try and meet this stranger because at this point she has no other options. But on her way to meet them, she gets into an accident and ends up in the hospital unable to use either of her hands. I don't, they don't really go into detail. I don't know if she broke her wrists or what happened, but she can't use her hands. They're both in casts. Um, the young man she was in the accident with unwittingly becomes her loan shark as he pays for her treatment, her dog's treatment. Yes, the dog got hurt in the accident, but it's okay. I promise. Don't worry. And eventually he helps her find a place to stay. And he also helps nurse her back to health while they're in the hospital. (laughs) He ended up fine after the accident. Like, he was totally okay. Um, The story continues as we watch the relationship between these two grow. And we watch Rara learn how to start living as an adult and make her own money. And I love her so much, the character, because she's struggling heavily. But she never gives up hope and she always tries to remain positive. It's just really endearing and it was really nice to see someone who had grown up rich and privileged still end up really sweet and kind she's not mean or like menacing um she's just kind of clueless and trying to do her best which is not common for rich people in k-dramas i'm going to be very honest here not that i have a problem with that but it was really nice to see a different side of it and the guy who plays the lead actor, he he's just incredible. I mean, he has to be in order to act opposite of Goara, but he so seamlessly blends into his characters. It is actually insane. There's one point in the show where the two leads, they play different characters because there's a time jump to the past of another character. So they play like the young versions of the old characters that we're like learning the backstory of. And I didn't even recognize this actor when he was playing this other character because he just, everything about him looked so different. It was like he shifted into another character. So it was, it was just amazing to see. You will laugh every single episode and you will cry every single episode because it's just, it's so funny. The characters in this, the actors in this, they're so funny but the story is so heart-wrenching and there are also so many small moments with side characters that are so heartbreaking or they just they, they'll make you cry because it's so sweet what happens it's it's just well done it's just so well done and towards the end of the show you will absolutely sob the very last episode i had to take a break after a certain part because i was crying so hard that I like could barely breathe, let alone look at a screen or read subtitles. And the very, very end of the show, you might sob again. I really did. If you take the ending at face value, which I did, the ending is so satisfying in an unrealistic way, but I would not have wanted it any other way. My mom, however, who watched the drama at a different time than I did, 
did not take it literally, and her interpretation was so much sadder. So I guess it depends on what you want and what you will accept as the viewer for the ending, but either way, it will be satisfying because you're getting what you want from it, I guess. Um, something else that was super interesting is the backstory of the lead guy is kept a secret for, like, I would say a good, I think, half of the show, if not more. Um, and so you don't really learn anything about him. You get these little bits and pieces here and there that lead you to think one thing, and then you're like, no, no, he couldn't do that. And then they lead you to think another thing, and you're like, oh, maybe, but I don't know about that. Um, and the reveal was really interesting. Um, and then just the relationship that grows between the two of them. It's one of the sweetest things I've ever had the privilege of watching. It's just so cute. And everything he does, while I know is probably extremely unrealistic, not even probably, it's really unrealistic to ever expect that of anyone ever. If a romantic partner did things like that for me, I... I would lose it. I would absolutely lose it because it's just, he's just so sweet. It's so, so cute. It's so wholesome. It's so heartbreaking. It's just, it's a, a feel good. And if you want to cry, it will help you do that too kind of a show. And it's definitely a top five drama for me. Um, I, it, it might be my like third, my top three, honestly. You'll hear my other two, my top two, my actual top two in next week's episode. But this one, man, this is this is a good one. I even showed this one to my sister. She is really picky. She thinks I have trash taste in shows, which you know what? Sometimes I do, and that's just because I like cliche rom-coms. It's not for everyone. I know that, but it's fine. But this one, I was like, you gotta watch this. You watch the first episode, the first two episodes, and if you don't like it, we'll stop. But she watched the whole thing. And she is notorious for us starting a show together. And she's like, no, I actually like it. Let's watch it. And then we get to, like, the last two episodes and we never finish it. It's a struggle. But this one, this one she finished. So you know it's good. So please, please check it out. At least watch the first episode if you can. If you don't like it, maybe give it one more chance with the second episode. If you don't like that, then all right, fine, skip it. But if you are interested, oh man, it gets better and better with each episode, I promise you that. And for the last drama that I will be talking about for this this episode, uh, we have what I would consider a fan favorite among people who like K-dramas. I'm pretty sure it got really good reviews, like at least from what I saw, it got really good reviews. Um, and it is called Crash Landing on You. Now, I feel like if I talk about the plot of this one too much, I'm going to give too much away. So I'm going to try to not give too much of the plot away. <laughs> um, a lot of people love this drama and it took me a while to like finally watch it because first I didn't want to watch it when it wasn't finished yet and then I started watching some other stuff and then I started to get back into anime and that's a whole other story. Um, but when I finally did watch it and my mom re-watched it with me, I was really glad I did. It was really good. It follows the story of a young woman from a rich family who ended up making her own way. She's got two older brothers, so she knew that she wasn't just going to be handed down the family business. And she makes her own successful business. And while testing out one of her products, which I think was like an athletic suit 
sort of to exercise in um she she tested out by flying in a parachute and she gets caught in a storm and is blown over into North Korean territory. And there, she meets a North Korean soldier who she now must rely on in order to survive. It's a rom-com, and seeing the romance develop between these two was so sweet and rewarding. And the show also switches back and forth between the young woman stuck in North Korea and her family back in South Korea. I obviously don't know how realistic the drama depicts North Korea, but the way that they juxtapose the two places was really, really incredible to see. And you're also going to fall in love with the band of soldiers who work under the main lead. You'll feel sorry for most of the characters. There are a couple, like I would say two, that you will despise. Um, and there are a couple characters that you think are safe in the beginning, and then by the end, you're going to hate them too because they ended up being awful um but it was just really cool to see it, it's a fish out of water story but in a way that can only really be done through a k-drama accurately or i guess a film by someone korean would also work but um it was just really interesting to see honestly to see how people from two different worlds not in a oh he's rich and I'm poor kind of a way but in a we're from completely different countries with completely different sets of rules that function in completely different ways but we can get along in this way and find common ground through these just normal human experiences it was just really really cool to see and the love that develops between the two, it's very slow going, but it feels very realistic and not like, you know, sometimes you see a show sort of like this where the two end up together, which don't get me wrong. I love this kind of show where it's like, the oh no, we're stuck together. And then they like immediately fall in love or something. Sorry about that. Normally I would have edited that whole thing out and redid it, but um, I don't have this episode as scripted as I normally do for my other podcasts. I had a phone call. It was a warranty one. You know, you know the ones trying to get my contact, contact me with the car warrant. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, back to what I was saying. <laughs> um, I love the ones where the connection is immediate and then they just go into like, the the drama and complications that happen with that i love watching those shows however it is nice to see a more realistic approach sometimes which is what this k-drama has where it's very slow going and sweet and the friendship grows first well first it's distrust and then the friendship grows and there's a little more distrust and then the friendship grows again and then there's some more love involved and it was just really nice and it, it it's a dual plotted show i don't know if that's the correct term for this whatever um because you're seeing her life like i said in north korea and then you see what's going on with her family and there's a lot of drama going on with her family she's she's from a rich family um there was some drama with her father in the first episode that they talk about and then the company has to be handed over to someone and then there's drama with that and then her two older brothers there's drama with that and their wives and so it, it was really interesting to watch there it's got a lot going for it and a lot of people like it not just me not just my mom um a lot of people really liked it and so i think it's definitely worth checking out and the ending 
the ending was sort of satisfying. It's realistic. It's very realistic. And it's still, it's a little, it left a little something for me. I'm going to be very honest. You know, sometimes I just want a completely full happy ending, whether it's unrealistic or not. I don't care. This one was a little more realistic. It is satisfying. It's not as satisfying as I wanted it to be, but it works. It works for the story and it makes sense because honestly, the last two episodes, I spent half of that time looking at my mom like, how are they going to fix this? How are they, how do they fix this? How does this resolve? Because there's no, he can't, they can't do this. She can't do that. He can't do this. I was not sure how they were going to come up with an ending for it. So the fact that they did in a way that was at least semi-satisfying was pretty impressive. That is all I have for you for this episode. I say that's all I have, but I know that this is going to be a long episode. So if you stuck around till the end, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to me ramble about something that I love. Um... So next week, I will be talking about a couple of historical K-dramas that I liked. And then also, I've got a bigger variety for next week. So if you're not a super rom com person, then check out next week's episode. Because um, it's going to have a lot more variety. I don't know if there's any rom-coms. I mean, the, the historical dramas have some romantic comedy aspects in them. But um, I, don't, I don't know if the other ones are like that at all. Actually, no, that's a lie. My top two definitely have, my top one has a rom, it's a rom-com. It's a (laughs) rom-com. It's a really good rom-com, but it's a rom-com. And then my top two has some romantic comedy aspects, but I wouldn't call it a rom-com. But yeah, so if you aren't a rom-com person or you just wanted to hear what my top two were and go from there, then definitely check out the next episode. That's where those will be. But um, I hope that you liked this week's episode thank you for listening to me ramble on and on about k-dramas and what i like to watch and i hope that you were able to hear something that maybe caught your caught your ear caught your attention and then you can check it out these ones are all on netflix at least as far as i know as as i'm posting this episode um hopefully they're still there but yeah please check them out they're all great I love them. Obviously, I talk to you about them for who knows how long. I'll know after I edit this. Um, So thank you for sticking around. I hope that you will stay around and check out next week's, especially because I talk about my top two and they are very good. They're so good. Please, please check those ones out. If you only check out two on my list, please check those two out. So you need to listen to next week's episode. But um, yeah, I hope you have a great rest of your week and I will see you next time. Love, Michaela.